Hey, what's up, everybody? This is JC, pastor of Olive Church. Thank you for listening and tuning in. Please don't forget to share our audios. God bless you. I'm going to start the service today with a rhetorical question. Uh, rhetorical meaning it's a question that is going to make you think, okay? And I want to ask, I want to ask you this question. And the question is, what if Jesus' bones were found today? It's a cold question. What if Christ's bones were found today? Well, as soon as we hear that, and it's proven by science that his bones are found, we will immediately have to close our church. Sad. It is sad to say. And guess what? All of the churches around the world will have to close doors as well. Christianity will have been a fraud if this was ever to happen. Many years ago, I read a book called A Skeleton in God's Closet. And I'll tell you what, that book confronted my faith. That book kind of came and strike me in the heart. Um, I also recommend a book by my beautiful daughter, Denise. She recommended me this book, and I saw a movie because I, you know, I have too many books to read. <laughs> and I recommend the movie, too. It's called Case for Christ. You got to watch it. I think it's on Prime. Check it out because it talks differently about those people who are unbelievers. When they, when they watch this movie or read this book, your mind will change. I'll tell you what. My mind has not been the same about who Christ is after I watched this movie. So I recommend it to you. Um, but back to the question. What if Jesus' bones were found? How would, how would we uh, react? Again, we will have to close all churches. All churches around the world will have to close their doors. And Christianity has been a fraud for centuries. Hard. Very difficult to understand that. But if we think about it, we have been promoting that belief in people's hearts for a long time long time. We are guilty of this thought. Why do I say that? Because we are so focused on the death of Christ. Um, we are so focused on Christ's death that it promotes exactly that. That doubt in our heads. And we're saying, we're probably thinking yourself, asking yourself, how, Pastor, how is it that we promote Christ's death. And it's a, a very simple answer. And it's because we expose to all people a dead Jesus on a crucifix. We are very capable of making a cross the center of our faith. So no wonder there's people that are still unbelievers. Because we're very capable of personifying a Jesus that is dead on a crucifix in a cross. And some, some of us think maybe, well, that is culture, Pastor. Some of us would think, 
well, my grandma, my family. And we start thinking, and we start, we don't even notice that we, we have placed Christ on a cross, and we have been promoting his death. And some of us have a dead Christ in our lives. No wonder we feel guilty all the time. No wonder it is hard for us to forgive our loved ones who hurt us. No wonder it's hard for us to be forgiven, too, by the people that love us. Because, again, it's in our subconscious, this dead Christ on a cross. Now, repeat after me, and this is the first slide. Repeat after me. The center of our faith is not the cross. The center of our faith is his resurrection. Amen. Right? See, we have been confusing that for such a long time. We think that as soon as we see the, the, the Christ crucified in the cross, whether it be plastic or metal, right, or clay, we immediately feel sorry and feel bad. But see, little do we know that we have a Christ who has resurrected. And this is why we're here today, because we are going to speak about a Christ and his resurrection and justification, our justification. And I'll say it again. The center of our faith is not the cross. The center of our faith is his resurrection. You should be saying amen right now on the live. Now, real quick, let's go to the book of John, chapter 20, 1 to 18. I'm going to read it. Uh, as carefully as possible, I might, I might make some pauses. And please pay attention to these words. Now, why did I choose? Because there's four Gospels, okay? And all four Gospels talk about Jesus and the resurrection. But why did I choose John? Because John was the favorite of Christ. John loved Jesus very much too. So he was very close to him. And he will speak only the truth about Jesus himself. And here it is. It says this. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. Verse 2. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. Who was that? John. She said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Verse 3, Peter and the other disciple started, started out for, for the tomb. Verse 4, they were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stopped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings laying there. But he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings laying there. Verse 7. While the cloth that had covered Jesus, the Jesus head was found up, laying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. Verse 9. For until then, 
they still hadn't understood the scriptures that Jesus said, Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. Verse 11. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she stopped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been laying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied. And I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus. But she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought she was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out. Rabboni, which in Hebrew is for teacher. 17 says, don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I have yet ascended to the Father, haven't ascended to the Father. But go find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them his message. Amen. And you know what? It's hard to think that somebody can rise from the dead. But the question is, what is behind God's purpose of rising Jesus from the dead? And the purpose is really, really big. It expands through, I can tell you, through our minds and even after that. We can only understand so much of what, why God rose his own son from the dead. Now, real quick, I want you to see in the first slide of justification. And pay attention to these words. Justification is God's righteous act of removing the guilt and penalty of sin while this, at the same time declaring the ungodly to be righteous through the faith in Christ, atoning sacrifice. Justification means is how can we be innocent for our sin? God is too righteous um, not to punish us from sin. So what justification is, what Jesus out of the tomb being alive and rised again proves that we are justified from our sins. That God has forgiven you and has forgiven me for all of our sins. But then again, the question arises, how can we be innocent from our sin? God is too righteous not to punish us from sin. God is too righteous to forgive anyone. It will be immoral for 
a just God to dismiss someone's innocence. So, knowing this, Christ dying in the cross, seeing an empty tomb, rising from the dead, we have a purpose in life. That's where the purpose is born. That's where justification comes into our lives. It becomes active within ourselves. And it's hard to believe because I had people come to me and say, Pastor, I don't think God can forgive me for what I've done. And you know what? I'll tell you, it's true. God shouldn't forgive me for what I've done, for what you have done. But then again, because of Christ rising from the dead, proves to us the love that God our Father has for us in justifying us through that experience. God can only forgive sin when it's been paid for, when justice has been done. I'll say it again. God can only forgive sin when it's been paid for, when justice has been done. That can only happen when an innocent person has been punished instead of the guilty. How do I know this? Because back in the time of Moses, back in the time of the patriarchs, what they used to do is they used to sacrifice an innocent lamb for your sins. In order for us to be forgiven before God, you have to bring the best, the most perfect, the most beautiful lamb in order for us to be forgiven for our sins. And you want to ask that question to yourself. Where is your lamb? Where is your lamb for the forgiveness of your sins? And the answer is in Jesus Christ. Christ was that lamb, that innocent lamb that was sacrificed for you and for me. And you may be thinking, this is something I already know. Pastor, what are you talking about? Well, it's much more profound than that. This is why I'm being very careful with what I'm saying. Because it's very important for us to understand that God can only forgive sin when an innocent person has been punished instead of the guilty. Only then his justice has been justified and the sinner has been justified and declared innocent. Only through that. If there's one person who had never been punished for sin, is the one who is sinless, and that is our Lord Jesus Christ. And he was punished for your sins and for my sins. Punished. And he was sinless. He was not at fault. The most amazing thing is that Jesus died voluntarily and obediently for our sins. He was the innocent lamb 
for sacrifice. Jesus died obediently and voluntarily for you and for me. It's hard to understand to think, how can God forgive me for my sins? I have done so many wrong things. I still do so many wrong things. How can he forgive me? Again, the question is, he can't because of his sovereignty and his unmutable word. But because of Christ's obedience and because of him going voluntarily to the cross, you and I are forgiven. He is that innocent lamb who died for your sins and mine. What doesn't fit in my head is that it's been 2,000 years ago, 2,020 years ago. And that forgiveness still applies to us today. The death of Jesus in the cross is a clear demonstration of God's justice and sovereignty because of his immutable word. Now, sin's price is death, and this is what we all know. But it is because of God's petition that Christ says, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll be obedient to this. I'll go. Someone innocent needed to die for us to be forgotten from our sins and offenses before God. Now, a good question is, how many times did Jesus die? That's another rhetorical question. How many times did Jesus die? The Bible says he only died once. One time. And one is enough for our forgiveness of all of our sins. Our past, our present sins, and our future sins. Why? Because his death was efficient and effective. Because his death was efficient and effective. If we live on guilt because of a crucified Christ and not a risen Christ, every time we fail, we will stagnate ourselves in a sea of tears. And every time we make a mistake means that we will have to go crucify Jesus again and cry and feel bad for us putting him in the cross because of our sins. But when you understand that he has risen, that he died only once in the cross for you, then there's no guilt that should attack your heart. Because his death was efficient and effective. Important words for you to understand. Important words for you to understand. Efficient and effective. If we keep feeling guilty for the things that we have done, for our past sins, our future, our, our present sins, then we are living a Christ that is still crucified. What do I mean with this? I mean with this that when we sin and we ask for forgiveness before God, we need to let go of that problem and not fall into the same hole again. We have to learn from our mistakes. 
And if we don't and we feel guilty, we put Christ back in the cross. Right? This is why so many people get kicked out from so many churches. And I've seen them, people getting hurt so many times from different churches. Because they don't understand that Christ died only once in the cross. That our sins are forgiven. That this is the time of forgiveness. That resurrection should be the center of our lives. Not the cross. But resurrection should be the center of our lives. The center of our family. The center of everything we do. We should go by resurrection. And I'll tell you, I'm guilty of not preaching resurrection. We only preach it once a year. Easter Sunday. But it is important for us to recognize that through resurrection, you and I are justified. By through resurrection, it's saying God, God is telling us directly, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. I accept my son's sacrifice for your sins. So see, we are not holy because of the things that we do right and good. We are holy because of Jesus' holiness. That's the only reason why we live in holiness. Because of Christ. Not because of how good you are, how good you behave. But it's due to Christ in your heart. That's the only reason why we are justified from our sins. Now listen to this. His death was efficient and effective. This is from because of Jesus' love to us. The empty tomb is the proof of God's love for us because of his resurrection. The ascension of Christ is clear proof of God's promise of the Holy Spirit for the guidance of our lives in connection with God the Father. And what are we waiting on? What are we waiting on? What still hasn't happened? The, uh, in his revelation, it says that we are waiting for his return, the second coming. And that is proof to test our faith that Jesus is our Lord and Savior. If we are sitting down waiting for the second coming of Christ, then you're saying that you believe that Christ died for you and for me. And see, this is where God amazes himself, where we are waiting and hoping for a Christ that lived and walked the earth, humiliated himself from all his glory, and left it alone to become human. Not only that, he humiliates himself a second time by becoming human. Not only that, he humiliates himself by putting himself in the cross for a third time. And now, we are waiting for his return. The prophecy that has not yet become. That is 
one of the biggest proofs of our faith that we have hope that one day we're going to see him coming from the clouds just as he left his return will be our relief from the expectations of this world his return will be our relief from the expectations of this world who's waiting for his return I am I am am I perfect no are you perfect no are you forgiven yes you are yes you are his resurrection proves it are justified. Pastor, you don't know what I've done. I've done the unthinkable. You are justified before Christ. You are justified before Christ. Now, let's go to the next slide real quick. Expiation. Guilt is said to be expedited when it is visited with punishment falling on a substitute. Expedition is made for our sins when they are punished not in ourselves but in another who consents to stand in our place, in our room. It is that by which reconciliation is affected. Sin is thus said to be covered by vicarious satisfaction. In other words, God expedited us from sin. He said, I'll take your place. I'll take your place. That's what he said when he volunteered obediently to go to the cross. It was the love of Christ, the, the, the Son of God, to you that said, I'll die for you. I'll die for you. You want to know how equivalent it is on today's words? Put yourself in that ventilator. Put yourself in that hospital bed and there's one ventilator left and somebody else needs it as much as you. Would you give away that ventilator for somebody else? It's just like that. Christ volunteered and was obedient to God's voice and said I'll die I'll die for them forgive them father they don't know what they have done and that takes us to the last slide 
revendicate. With object to revendicate again, to restore or reclaim as a rightful possession to show again to be right or justified. Through Christ's death and resurrection, we are vindicated before God. He made us right again, even though we still fail Him. And we will fail Him until the day we die. We are vindicated before God. Forgiven, justified. Look at Romans 4.23.25 says, And when God counted him as righteous, it was just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit to assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him. Believe in who? In Jesus. Notice that it doesn't say if you accept them in your heart. You don't need to accept them. All you have to do is believe in him. And he is there with you. Who are we to accept them? Why is God going to put himself in that place for us to accept them? All he's asking us is to believe in him. The one who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. He was handed over to die because of our sins. And he was raised to life to make us right with God. It is clear that in his atoning death, Christ suffered on our behalf for us. Likewise, his resurrection is seen not only as a vindication of surety of himself, but as surety of our justification. Here, justification does not refer to our vindication, but to the evidence that the atonement he made was accepted by the Father. By vindicating Christ in his resurrection, the Father declared his acceptance of Jesus' work on our behalf. I'll read it again. By vindicating Christ in his resurrection, the Father declared His acceptance of Jesus' work on our behalf. Our justification is a theological sense resets on imputed righteousness of Christ. So the reality of transaction, transaction excuse me, is linked to Christ's resurrection. Had Christ not been raised, we would have a mediator whose redeeming work in our behalf was not acceptable to God. In other words, you cannot do nothing for yourself. We needed somebody to step up for us and die. And that was Christ himself. 
not only he gave his life for you and for me, but he did it because he loved us. God accepted Christ's sacrifice and obedience and voluntarily work that he did on going to the cross. When he accepted his sacrifice, God said, okay, I'll forgive them. And to prove that, I will resurrect you. And God resurrected Christ from the dead. His resurrection is the biggest proof of God the Father's love to you and me. Christ being obedient and voluntarily going to the cross is his proof of Jesus' life, love for you and for me. The common, the, the Holy Spirit in us right now, it is proof of love from the Holy Spirit for you and for me. So God has been showing His love three different ways for you and for me. Through Christ, God the Father accepting His sacrifice and now with the Holy Spirit in our lives in order for us to communicate and to have that relationship with God. Feel worthy of His resurrection. Let's stop promoting His death. And let's promote that He is alive. Funny thing is, Every Christmas we say, we'll celebrate Jesus' birthday. I have bad news for you. Jesus is still 33. He's still 33. He's still on his prime. And guess what? When we get to be with him, we will be on our prime ourselves. special topic for a very special day. I just want you to know that His resurrection it is proof of love from God the Father for you. He loves you. You are forgiven. Even if, the, if other people have not forgiven you, God forgave you. Even if you haven't forgiven yourself, God forgave you. You have a life ahead of you. Yeah, difficult with this pandemic. But nothing can stop you if you only accept that Jesus resurrected. That is the meaning of him being alive again. 
So let's get our culture out of the way. Let's get our emotions out of the way and accept a risen Christ, not a Christ on the cross. He is not dead. He is very much alive. He's still human in heaven. He's 33 in heaven. He's still Jewish in heaven. He's waiting for you and for me. Let's wait for him in his second coming. Let's do the best we can with our lives. Let's take care of the gifts that he has given us. Let us pray. Again, thank you for listening. Please stay tuned for new content every week. God bless.